This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny K, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Nation, it's that time. It's Denny. I got Steve, Tex, and Callie. How you guys doing? What's going on? Hey. How's it going? What's up, Denny? <sighs> living life, living a dream. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? It was terrible. Terrible? No, it was great. It was really great. I went to John's brother's, Ed, his... Uh, his beautiful, beautiful home, and uh, we had like two turkeys, uh, fifteen pounds of prime rib, grass-fed, of course. Uh, so it's pretty excellent eating-wise, and um, you know, obviously there were there were some uh, Moscow mules involved, so it was a good time all around. Just some. Just a just a handful, and I don't know what you deem to be a handful, but my hand is kind of big, so. <laughs> Next, how about yourself? Uh, good. My uh, grandparents live in Maryland, so it was an easy drive for me from D.C., and my sisters came up, so it was the first time we really had like a family Thanksgiving in a long time, so I had a great time. Nice. Nice. I drove, Did you get to- yeah, I drove 12 hours with a three-year-old in the back of the car, and uh, <laughs> then I got to work out at a cool place up in New Jersey called CrossFit Mercer, and they let me uh, basically come in and do my power athlete thing, some power snatches and shit like that. So they're a cool place if you're up in uh, Hamilton, Trenton area, New Jersey. Is that when you power snatch 95 yeah. twice? Yeah, for a double. Three-minute warm-up, baby. That's 95, cool, 95 pounds. Good for you, I know. Steve. I crushed that shit, Kaylee. Uh, Kaylee, Kaylee. <laughs> Kelly. 95 pounds. <laughs> Did you split snatch it? No, straight out. It was nearly a muscle snatch, to be quite honest, because the, the one thing I would say – and I hope they're listening. The platforms were like fucking ice. I went to do, um, uh, we do this warm up exercise called a press and split where you like get in your split stance for a, uh, uh, a split jerk and we just press it off of our shoulders. I, mean, I nearly did a full on split. Uh, it was so slippery. So I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and just go straight up power snatch and power jerk, power clean. Um, because I was a little bit scared for my life. But you're a hockey player. That's your that's your deal. And I can do a split. So, I mean, whatever. But I don't like doing a split with 95 <laughs> kilos over my head. That would be balling, though. <laughs> awesome. We hosted Thanksgiving this year. So uh, my mother-in-law came in and cooked a few turkeys because that's what Rachel Ray suggests. Cook two smaller turkeys. My wife and uh, my mother-in-law are all about Rachel Ray. So we had, like, the Rachel Ray-themed Thanksgiving. Watch the Packers get their ass kicked. Um, Detroit's going to take the division. Had a few cocktails. You know, everybody was out of the house by like 6 p.m. Kind of small and cool. But, you know, I remember growing up with Thanksgiving dinners. It was like a freaking like huge table, you know, like all the grandkids. You had like 15 of us all like, you know, around this table, just this huge feast. And, uh, you know, in our house, it was like, uh, 
I think we had a couple people sit at the table. Everybody else sat on the couches and kind of stood around with plates in their hand. A little more casual. A little more casual. Football. Awesome. Football, yeah, for sure. All right, so Tex, man, we haven't had a chance to talk to you, but uh, Wade's Army, you know, Wade's Wings, the whole fundraising event kind of came to a close. Uh, you know, in your opinion, how do you how do you feel that all went? And uh, I completely it completely outdid our expectations. I mean, we couldn't ask for kind of a better better nation of support. Uh, we we broke fifty fifty thousand dollars. Our goal was thirty thousand dollars. So I mean, that just that just says everything. So um, it, it's it's on the way up. So we had some cool kind of gym stories. I know CrossFit Syndicate, one of our boys, Luke Espy, he said he's going to pledge a burpee for every dollar that was donated. So his um, his gym, I think they passed 3000 3000 bucks. So every one of his coaches participated, and they did a dollar burpee. And then they sent us a post-burpee video or kind of picture of just them sweaty as hell and a great team shot. So that was kind of a cool thing they did. And I'm getting a lot of emails just of people now being aware of neuroblastoma. So one of Callie and I's old clients, she shot me an email. Uh, she donated to our page. And it was the story of one of her high school friends. And there was all these pictures of her son kind of going through these treatments. And it was, it was neuroblastoma. And she was kind of telling me the story. The family had to just leave their jobs in Kentucky and move up to Cincinnati. Uh, so similar story to kind of what the Bruins went through. And uh, that's where we're going to take Wade's Army. So I know John said that we're going to file for our own 5013C. And I think our focus is going to be kind of supporting those families in the move. So instead of just going for research, we're going to kind of help those families that have to uproot themselves and completely kind of find new lives around this treatment. So it's going to be kind of an interesting year, and we're going to kind of plan and find out a way to really go farther than 50K next year and see how it can, like, truly make a difference in families' lives. That's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, to be able to to be involved in something like that and, and help, you know, spread not really i don't want to say spread the word but i guess spread you know just kind of spread awareness you know yeah of what's going on and, and how you can participate and and hearing stories about how you guys are going to take it to the next level and like help these people and the families you know who have either gone through it or are currently going through it i mean i i know i've said it before i mean if people really want to like donate and, and feel you know the um like the gratification that you can get in that, you know, here, here's a direct link. I mean, you hear these guys saying what, what they plan on doing in the future. You know, if you're going to walk out of the, you know, jewel grocery store during the holidays and the guy Salvation Army ringing a bell and he's throwing some coins in the bucket. I mean, here, here, you know, where this money's going to go and you get instant feedback, you know, as far as like, if I wanted to ask, you know, text, if I wanted to email you and say, look, you know, here's some money, you know, do you know somebody directly you can send this to as far as like a, a specific family? You would have that kind of information. And you know? that, that's that's kind of the goal that I want to take on personally. I, I know we talked a lot about kind of tying Power Athlete Team Series and Wade's Army together. 
So I, idea I had, um, just we're kind of kicking around, is find families in the city. Say we go to Houston, we go to Seattle, we kind of find a family within that community that we'd host the the team series with, and have everyone rally kind of uh, kind of that hometown hometown pride around that family. So we're just kind of trying to get creative ideas like that, and then have stories of immediate impact, and you know exactly who you're helping, like you said. So right, just like kind of just creating that connection with people. I mean, putting a, a face to the name. Um, yes. And the community, like the CrossFit community is so strong and so powerful already. And particularly the CrossFit football community and the power athlete community. I mean, uh, I think I just look at what we did with uh, Wade's Army and what Chris has accomplished and all of the volunteers have accomplished. And it's just amazing that we can draw this much progress from this community it's like the collaboration is unbelievable um so good to good to everyone out there who contributed yes thank you the um i've been on the phone a few times with uh, the state classy they provided kind of the, the fundraising page for us and they were actually absolutely amazed that we raised fifty thousand dollars in three months and so they uh, they want to work more with us, but uh, they, each each person I talked to just they they couldn't even believe it, and they were just happy for us. That's awesome. Um, all right, so we got a special guest with us. Uh, Will Jones, how you doing? Very good, thank you. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well. I love it. I love Power Athlete Radio. You know, <laughs> I love <laughs> getting, I. these guys on the horn. Talking some strength and conditioning, but uh, you very interesting story. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the listeners about what you and your wife were able to accomplish and how you did it. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, I guess the the backstory on us. Um, uh, my wife Amber started following CrossFit football back in the springtime, and uh, and when this when this came up. It, uh, it hit a couple notes with us. Uh, we, we have a nephew who, uh, who passed away from, from another form of pediatric cancer uh, back in August. He was seven. There were some similarities in the story. Uh, he was also a twin, just like Wade was. And, uh, and he actually, one of, his, uh, one of his buddies in the hospital actually had neuroblastoma as well. And uh, my family and their family have gotten to be pretty close. So uh, we just saw it as a as a way we could really give back, uh, you know. And the fact that it was it was oriented with fitness just was kind of the icing on the cake for us. So uh, so basically, we you know we train at home. We uh, we we've got a few people that train here at home with us, and we kind of got them involved. Did all of our fundraising through Facebook, uh, and then you know the night of the workout, we we just invited everybody over to come do the workout or just come come eat and hang out. And, uh, you know, and just celebrate, celebrate Wade's life and celebrate my nephew Broden's life and, uh, and just take some time to, to really, you know, uh, I guess show some support to all these kids and families that, that are fighting this. So you, you and your wife work out in your garage. So you had these friends and, you know, family members that come over and do the workout in your garage. Yep. So. So we had, uh, we had, I guess there was six of us total that did the workout. We ended up with a few more people that wanted to come and eat, which, which was, which was good, of course. But yeah, we, uh, 
we ended up splitting the uh, the guys went and then the girls went. We don't have quite enough equipment for everybody to go at once, but yeah, yep, did it in the garage. That's amazing. And you, you, you were the top fundraiser individual. Yep. I mean, to be able to pull all that off, what? I mean, that's how did you do that? You know, I, I guess from uh, from my point of view and, and Amber's point of view, we. Like I said, we did most of our fundraising through Facebook, and, and uh, I think part of it was, you know, as we were as we were putting the posts out there, it was just kind of telling a little bit of Broden's story. So uh, obviously, there's some kind of uh, there's a, definitely an emotional component to that, and it's just something we feel strongly about. And it's uh, I don't think it's something that's hard to get behind. Um, pediatric cancer, not only neuroblastoma, but pediatric cancer in general, just has such a small voice. And when you consider the impact that pediatric cancer has on people, it, it's very disproportionate to the voice they have, I think. Um, and that's certainly not to discredit or take away from, from any of the other types of cancers. You know, if you think about it, uh, you know, breast cancer has an entire month. Like we watch NFL games and teams have, you know, pink uh, gloves and pink shoes and stuff, but you, you never hardly hear anything about pediatric cancer. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of kids and families that are fighting this. Yeah, the, I think one of our big goals for next year is kind of have that develop that identity. So like breast cancer has pink um, and uh, just kind of with that idea. So we're thinking about taking those characters that we had on everyone's shirts and then those guys become kind of our identity so that those guys are Wade's army. But, um, I think I think it's awesome. What you were talking about earlier about taking Wade's army and, and helping support the families, having been on the other side of it uh, and watching my sister, my sister's got, you know, two other boys. Uh, she too had to leave her job. Um, I, I kind of helped. Uh, we, we, we were lucky. We had a lot of folks that donated to Broden's treatment. So I kind of handled the money side of things for my sister in terms of making sure all of his hospital bills and stuff were paid and, and managing all that. And it's, it's expensive. And to have, to have people behind you, to have people that have your backs, to have an organization like Wade's Army or Wade's Wings, to know that those kind of folks are there, you've got people rooting you on. It's uh, it's huge, not only financially, but but just uh, just to know that you've got that kind of support. Yeah, and then uh, you did something special when you guys kicked off your events. Uh, you want to tell the people about that? Yeah, we did. Um, so Broden's uh, Broden's twin brother Connor, he. Uh, He's so he's seven as well. He kind of decided some point through the week leading up to that that uh, that Broden and Wade had to be buddies, and thought that it would be uh, a good idea for us to send them some balloons before we started that night. So we filled up uh, eleven dark blue, twelve red, and eleven light blue blue balloons, and did a did a little balloon launch before it started, and that was pretty cool. Kids really enjoyed that, and it was it was definitely neat. That's so cool. That's fantastic. That's so that's so nice. Well, Will, we can't thank you enough for creating your own uh, Wade's Army. I mean, for you and your wife to take that on is unbelievable. And, you know, our, our heart goes out to your sister and obviously to Wade's family. So th thank you so much for um, using the resources that you had to create this amazing awareness. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, and I, I guess for me, thanks to thank you to Power Athlete and the, you know the whole Power Athlete Nation. Uh, this is important, and uh, and you guys are are giving are giving more awareness, more visibility. Um, you know, as people people are going to hey, what's neuroblastoma, and they're going to learn about other types of pediatric cancer and and realize how important it is and how overlooked it can be at times. So, thank you know from from me, thank you guys for championing this the way you have been. Well, we're looking forward to next year. That's for sure. Oh, Likewise. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's a uh, to the Power Athlete Nation, like next year we got to like show up, right? You know, here's Will and his wife out of their garage, top fundraisers. So uh, us, us guys with gyms, we got to show up and, and raise more money and awareness for this. That's great work, Will. Thank you. I yeah, agree. We're, we're I, looking forward to it too. You have not seen the last of us. I can, I can assure you of that. <laughs> awesome. It's a threat and a promise. And you know, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I could have done more. You know, I, I'm glad that we're going to get another run at this next year. You know, I know as far as um, here at A3, we, uh, you know, we ran the Wade Squad for all of our classes. And we had those members who had donated, you know, to come in, wear their shirts. A few of them invited some friends and did some drop-ins which was nice, you know, we just kind of gave them a brief, quick elements thing on, uh, you know, the movements. Some of them were, were in fit already, others weren't. And, you know, we had some success with that as far as like the, kind of like the networking and the communicating, communicating that we did throughout the day. Um, but hearing your story, I mean, just, just the effort that you guys did. And, uh, yeah, you know, inspiring there's, experience there's, al- there's always more, there's always more. And I think uh, one thing, that Will has is he has a, a real passion. And uh, when you deal with somebody with a, a real passion about a cause, a connection to it, and hopefully now we all feel more connected to it, there's something very infectious about that. And so um, hopefully we can all take away and learn from Will and his wife and, uh, and, and the success that they've had. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Motion creates emotion. <laughs> the one-liners from Tex McQuilkin. <laughs> so, uh, Tex? Yep. You put a pretty good article up there on the Power Athlete website the other night. Yeah, it's just okay. Almost, almost too good. I got a call from Luke saying <laughs> I need to uh, split into two and cut back. Yeah, that's I, Luke and I were talking about that. And I, as soon as we read it, we both looked at each other because he asked us to edit it. And we were just looking at each other, and I was like, dude, uh, do you think this is too good? And he's like, I was just about to say the same thing. So we're like, ah, let's get text on the phone. Yeah. Um, so I had to, uh, I split into two. And it's kind of, it sent me on some rat holes. I'm sure when part two comes out, I'm going to get in some trouble. But um, it's uh, it's been fun kind of uh, doing some research with high school and then diving into kind of some old school uh, amateur training books. So the, uh, the five I came up with, um, it, it was assessment, application, numbers, like freaking um, obsession with numbers, uh, conditioning, which is going to get hairy, and then, of course, nutrition. So the, uh, the first three just came out, and uh, just kind of riding that wave right now. But um, I don't know, did everyone get a chance to read the article? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the... Um, 
think most important one there is kind of assessment. I know we talk over and over about during our certs, just um, kind of assessment tools and then identifying kind of limiting factors or position, bad positioning just by looking at a kid go through a warm up can really hurt his squad or hurt the athlete when that kind of force is applied in a one rep max or on the field. So I think um, just the assessment system in high school is broken. Just guys only taking weights and heights and then max loading them. And that's an assessment in high school. So um, I just saw these things and we're just kind of trying to attack it head on. Text, uh, why, do you, why do you think so many coaches and so many schools are still doing that? Uh, that's, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. so, and then as a, you're saying that's what they did as athletes when they were in school. Yeah. And I mean, everyone kind of falls to their level of training, even as coaches. So those guys, maybe they had success uh, in college ball and that's what they did. So obviously it worked. But uh, I know we know all too well if something works or something works. So a lot of just sport coaches that teach the strength and conditioning, it's just, hey, I did this. Let's do that. You've already had some responses on the blog um, regarding that article. Uh, anything like that surprises you? Any like standout questions or comments? Uh, the first one. The first one was like a, a college kid asking for some advice or any readings to put his way. I thought it was very interesting. And then uh, I kind of reflected on my strength and conditioning journey. I've been all over the country. It's been kind of fun, but crazy. And um, I just told him things I wish I knew. Just don't rely on football. Go and get his, go get your hands dirty. Go do kind of women's golf, any women's sports. They're the most novice lifters when they come to college. So it's a good opportunity to kind of uh, start with a blank slate and really teach an athlete how to move. And um, just don't rely on one strength coach because I met a lot of guys in the community that said um, I was this and this guy's assistant and that was their only experience. Right. Go, go to three colleges. Learn from we, three different masters. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, what's interesting is like not just working with different sports, but if that's the field that you're interested in getting in, I mean, like you said, when you have these novice lifters and maybe a, uh, a sport that like you said, is predominantly novice lifters, say women's golf or something like that, you have the ability to get your hands dirty and have maybe a bit more of an impact than a, a pre-existing strength, kind of an antiquated strength and conditioning program. So it has multiple benefits for sure. Yeah. And, um, and freshmen too. Freshmen, all the college freshmen I've come to work with, the, all the guys have lifted before and they're all broken. So you get probably 10 freshmen coming into the class per sport, more or less. And those guys have squatted before, but it's it's terrible. And so you spend more time teaching them how to correct this instead of that time could be spent actually getting stronger. Right. So reversing everything they've learned before, it's not easy. It's such a crazy dynamic. Well, here's the thing that like when I first started reading the article, I mean, some of the some of the thoughts that were coming into my head. Uh, one was obviously there's a shitload of high schools in the area. You know, like you got 
Texas, which is you know pretty much known for football. I'm sure those high schools and their programs are a little bit different than the school that I went to in Wisconsin. You know what I mean? The high school football coach of my high school was the freaking business teacher, you know? And there was no kind of weight training program. I think, you know, the, the athletes would just kind of, you know, go in after school or maybe before school and work out with the gym teacher. And, you know, I mean, the, the gym teacher that we had, that guy, you know, I mean, it wasn't like he had a, a plethora of knowledge in strength and conditioning, you know, he, he probably had him just one rep maxing. And then he would probably tell, you know, the, the, the coach or whatever, you know, kind of give him a feel of where the athletes are. And then they would kind of take it and run with it. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you got a program like that where those guys pretty much don't know what the hell they're doing. And then you would go, you know, I use Texas as an example. I mean, you know, they're pretty much dominating football down there. Um, I, I, that's those were some of the thoughts that were going through my mind that you know you're gonna have bad programs people who don't know what they're doing you know and then you're gonna have the good ones you know how how can we you know kind of like bring up I guess these uh, you know these shitty coaches and these shitty programs um, you know and kind of like help these athletes out you know I guess a good start is writing a great article like that for sure. I mean, that spells it out. I'd be interested to read the nutrition part because, Ugh. you know what? Well, let's not get to that part, right? You want to? Yeah, we'll save it. Yeah, we'll, we'll save, save that. that one. We, we we'll need save Luke that. Summers in on that one because every time uh, you get a couple of beers in Luke, you can't help but mention his uh, state championship in high school. Oh, God. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm thinking of Married with Children and Al Bundy. <laughs> Telling his infamous <laughs> touchdown. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that Luke would love that comparison to <laughs> Al Bundy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tex. What was your? Uh, did you? You played high school football, right? So, what was your experience? Yeah. Did, uh, you draw, did you draw from it for the article? Well, I did. the uh, The first picture is my high school getting crushed by our arrival uh, state champ every year, Katie. And uh, so, football was the class. So we would strength train during that period, and then football practice would be after school, or if it was too hot, it would be before school. And so the strength training was, uh, time was dedicated to it. But then we had just these uh, high school football coaches just put bars on their back and said, do this. There wasn't a lot of instruction. So this was in season, our uh, kind of summer conditioning they brought some experts in, and that, that was the kind of um, my first attraction to strength and conditioning. This was after my freshman year. and But then after that summer, kind of Texas put some, some clamps on the off-season strength and conditioning. So you couldn't have kind of footballs. You couldn't really do sports or football-specific training. It could just be running and lifting weights. And then that's when kind of um, our program stopped progressing. So I think we made the playoffs once in like the past 20 years, and then our rival just wins it every year. So I mean, I drew a lot from that experience, and uh, and talking to some uh, football coaches I know down there and here in DC, just to kind of piece together these uh, these fallacies. So um, 
Yeah, Kelly, you said that you you had some strength training experience with football team. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, just from my own perspective, uh, when I was in high school, our school did much the, what your, your school did. So they implemented a class uh, where it was essentially just for the football players. And I think it was like 40 or 45 students. And they made it exclusive to those guys. But me being like a young, go hard, young Callie Hensman, I wanted to get into the class because I was uh, really interested in powerlifting and I was strength training a lot of my own. And so I weaseled my way into the class. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting experience because I saw a lot of what you saw, which was very little guidance, uh, very uh, shitty programming that was just a, a lot of pushing, uh, which was what I remember the most. So it was a lot of squatting and uh, not squatting well. And um, and it was a lot of bench pressing. And again, not bench pressing well. And I don't, you know, excuse my language, but it just looked like a big dick measuring contest. And um, it was it was like that three times a week. So, I, you know, looking back on it now, I have a much better perspective of what would have been effective. But even back then, I'm sure, Chris, you can attest to just just sort of thinking, uh you know, like what's happening here? We're just doing the same things over and over again. And I never remember uh, these guys getting good instruction. I just remember a lot of cheerleading and a lot of shit talking. Yeah. So we had an interesting uh, occurrence in my high school. So the, the the grade above me, like they they wanted to win. So they had kind of a a steroid epidemic go down in my high school with this these upperclassmen. And so guys were going down with shoulder injuries, hip injuries, just shit that shouldn't be happening to a 17-year-old. So then the, the off-season, uh, my junior year, what they did is kind of implement just kind of overhead squats, RDLs, and all these corrective exercises because they couldn't – the football coaches were smart enough to say, like, uh, we can't do what we were doing before because it's going to ruin these kids' lives. But then they didn't know exactly what to do. So we just did a bunch of lightweight stuff, which was good. Nobody ended up kind of blowing anything out, but so they right. actually did some research. It was interesting. That was yeah. A, I mean that. Go ahead, go Callie. ahead, go ahead, Callie. Oh no, I was just gonna say that's a, you know that's an interesting approach after you know it's kind of erring on the side of caution, but it's also you you know they probably could have taken um, a more strength approach if they had had the manpower or the uh, the knowledge to get athletes in a good position, prevent injury. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting how that was their fallback, you know, um, like less is more basically. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I mean, every day I go into to my place and, um, we train high school athletes and, um, you know, they get to work with, with Caleb, who's a national champion, world team, Olympic lifter, and they get instruction on that. I always feel so jealous of these kids, right? You know, uh, 15 years ago when I was in high school or however long ago, like back in the Stone Age. I remember uh, when I did play high school football, the strength conditioning, the strength, when there was no conditioning, the strength uh, workouts were after school and it was basically um, go into the weight room and lift weights. And you did whatever the upperclassmen were doing and they were your teachers. So all the bad shit that they did, they taught you how to do it bad. And I remember one day going in, it was bench pressing day or whatever. And uh, they started with the bar. That's every day. That's what, I know. Well, it was pretty much every day. But it was – they started with the bar. You do a couple of reps of warm-up, throw a 45 on, throw a 45 on. And then once you couldn't go anymore, that was it. You were out. 
your sets were done. There was no mo uh, uh, sort of modulation for your, your training uh, level or, or years of training. It was just, okay, well, you can't hang with 405 or heavier, so go home. Your strength training is I love done. it. I love and it. And I was like, I, I, I like thinking <laughs> back on it. So now like I watch our kids train, you know, they're, they're doing these amateur-like progressions and training their central nervous system or correcting their technique and making sure they're safe and all these, you know, lightweight corrective exercises, make sure their, their squat is good. And I think back, I'm like, you're like, like you assholes. I was like, you fuckers are lucky as shit. You know what I mean? Like they don't know what they have. They walk in like late to training and, but, um, but it's, it's, uh, I think there's a turnaround. I mean, I think, um, like articles like yours text and then other articles about even just like CrossFit becoming kind of like, uh, like a common word among people is, you know, uh, read an article the other day, I think by, uh, by Ripto about, you know, one of the good things that's come out of CrossFit is it's putting barbells, barbells. In, in more people's hands than ever before. Right. And so, yeah. you know, like yeah. I think maybe we're making a turn, at least I know over here in Georgia, what happens is you get, you know, Georgia is a lot like Texas, um, in terms of football is, is pretty big. I remember going to a high school football game this year and there was something like, 15,000 people in attendance and I was like where the fuck am I <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, what they do is they they, uh, they outsource some of the strength and conditioning to centers like ours right so you know you get a couple people uh, football guys they come in they get strong and four more guys come in because they want to get strong and uh, what we're finding is that that's spreading across high schools to other sports and so I know you mentioned some some sort of unconventional sports for training but we've, we've got swimmers coming in now tennis players coming in now total amateur CNS when it comes to training you know, they never even thought about squatting or any kind of conditioning and now these kids are doing pull-ups and squatting deadlifting bench pressing and um, it's been fun to watch them progress but I think there's a there's a turnaround um, potentially because of the the uh, sort of uh, attention that that the barbell is starting to get again. I hope. Yeah. So the what we want to promote is really kind of coaches maybe ma making a program based on their kind of team strength and weaknesses, but then investing time and in correctly teaching these kids how to move, and then it's going to last them for the rest of their lives. So instead of just giving them a program and saying go actually take two weeks, introduce the positions. I know we get a lot of um, a lot of CrossFit coaches who are getting contracted by high schools that come to our certs. And that's where uh, that kind of helped drive this article too. And some discussions with those coaches and Luke, and it was like invest in two weeks, teach them anatomical positions, make sure they know what dorsiflexion means, make sure they know what external rotation, internal rotation, these proper safe positions and kind of create that mind-body connection that they're aware this is a good position. They're aware this is the bad position instead of just saying go. And not, you know, not only that, I mean, maybe they don't have the manpower to have a coach at every bench, but now they can identify that in each other, which is a huge part yes. too of what we advocate at our gym, you know, and at the seminars, you guys are now responsible for looking at each other, turning to each other and being each other's coaches. Mutual accountability. Yeah, Word. I like um, it. Word. Chris, when you were talking about the overhead squats, it reminded me uh, last year I went to a symposium um, in like Springfield, Illinois, and uh, they brought in a guest speaker 
Um, his name's Jim Radcliffe. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's a strength and conditioning coach at the University of Oregon. Uh, you know, and I know this is collegiate, but one thing that sticks out in my mind is he said that when he gets incoming freshmen, uh, he has them overhead squat before they start like back squatting or front squatting. You know what I mean? He has them master or try to master that lift first. Yes. You know, and the reasoning is exactly what you and Kelly are saying. You know, if if you're going to master that lift and the the positioning and everything it takes to to complete it, you know, and then you're going to go into, you know, some back squatting and stuff like that, you, you should already have some good, you know, like uh, the motor units are there, the muscle memory is there, the positioning is there, and it's, you know, he like was swearing up and down by that, and I thought that that was, uh, I thought that was huge. So, uh, yeah. Thoughts on that, Tex? Uh, I'm just going to say there's good programs and there's bad programs. So, I mean, a lot of the things I'm writing, it's about the bad programs. So, those good programs, they do exist. Um, so, I know a couple college coaches I worked with, one had kind of a foundations-esque two weeks for all the freshmen. And then other coaches I've worked with, it's just it's just a go button. Day one, this is what we're doing, go. So I know we uh, there's good and bad out there, but we're just kind of focusing on the bad. But uh, I'd love to hear about the good. Sorry, go ahead, Kelly. No, I was just going to say that's, you know, I, Denny, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I know what you're saying about the, him bringing up the overhead squat. And it's an interesting approach for sure. If he's found that that's successful with people, that's great. Um, you know, there's a lot of maybe – maybe in high school you have an athlete who has not incurred a lot of injuries and doesn't have a lot of immobilities, but let's say you get into the collegiate or professional level, you know, an overhead squat might be an assessment tool for an overhead squat, but I don't think it's necessarily indicative of, uh, you know, if the person can do a real spinal loaded squat and, um, there's probably, you know, thousands of great athletes out there who can't successfully perform an overhead squat, but don't necessarily need to for their sport. So I think you need to kind of keep that in mind as well. Yeah. That's a great point. I like, uh, I, I, I like power athletes stance on posture and position, you know, until you guys started really kind of preaching that and making it like a gospel, you didn't really hear a whole lot about that, you know, or somebody really like putting that, first. At least I didn't, you know, maybe I, maybe that was out there and I'm just, you know, it came, you know, I'm just in my cave here in Illinois, but it, it, it's important, you know, and I find that when I'm coaching my, you know, my members, I, I'm saying that more and more, you know, and I, and I could see the, um, obviously you can see poor positioning and poor posture, but it, I, I see that when people start like focusing on that, when we're doing like the strength portion of our class, um, they're just more, uh, we're seeing more PRs, you know, we're, we don't have, I don't want to sound like we have a rash of injuries, but I'm hearing less stories on aches and pains, you know, less injuries, less like strained backs and stuff like that. And I got to give you guys a lot of credit for really putting that out there. You know, um, if anybody hasn't gone to a, a seminar yet, you got to get to one so you can kind of hear the whole gist of, you know, the, where all that's coming from. 
Yeah, you know, the beautiful thing about that phrase in our program, and it just gets me so jazzed when I talk about it, is that that all stemmed from posture and position as, as to how it translates to the field, on-field performance. But what's fantastic about it is that if that becomes your emphasis, if that becomes your end goal, your perfection, then uh, when you take it and you apply it to general population, like you've done, Denny, I'm sure like Steve's done, I know Tex and I have done in our gyms, uh, you create this longevity in a sport that people now love and they call that CrossFit, you know? And if that becomes, if that becomes the focus, then when somebody is doing something for time or, you know, somebody's adding that intensity element to it, um, if you always, if you're always reiterating that posture position, people are less likely to do whatever it takes to beat the person next to them. Um, suddenly it becomes about the longevity in a sport and the ability to hold a good position. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the sea change that we're trying to create. Um, yeah. stronger athletes who, who have that, who have that lifespan, that longevity. Yeah. yeah I, for general teaching, pop, for general pop. Yeah. Teaching CrossFit, I kind of joke, like this is five rounds for beauty, uh, versus time. So you kind of, and yell at people, heart, posture, position, all that good stuff. And then, um, for the, the rowing team, I coached, I said, I want them to go home for Thanksgiving and I want all their family members to compliment their posture. That's how I know I'm doing my job right. Yeah, that's awesome. We've recently started implementing uh, at least once a week, uh, two things. One is we, uh, we do a for fun workout, which is basically posturing things like isometric holds, um, dead bugs, stuff like that. And then um, we do a workout, you know, five rounds and I put not five rounds for beauty, but five rounds for quality. And when the CrossFit athletes come in, they're like, what do, what do you mean? What is this quality stuff? And I'm like, the timer, the timer's not going to be running. I want to see good reps, every rep. And I'm not talking about like, I'm not going to no rep you like in a competition. I'm talking about, I want you to be aware of what your body's doing and whether the rep is good or not. And we'll help you out with that. And what we found, what I found at least over the past, I've been doing the programming at our gym for the last couple of months. And I've got a couple of athletes that I train personally is that they're becoming really aware of what's good in their movement and being able to identify what's bad in other people's movement. Um, so it's, it, yeah. it's just, it's fantastic to see this evolution. So now our athletes come in and they know the kinds of things I'm gonna say to them about their pull up, about their squat position, about where they're pulling from or whatever. And I can just look at them and they immediately, it comes to mind, all those, all those words, all those things I say to them and they, they fix it. It's like, that's, that's it right there, that's perfect. That's what we want. Now you're gonna do the exercise correctly, it's gonna be safe. Like you said, text longevity, you're moving fast still, but you're moving safely, and that's what it's about. It's not about like uh, what do you guys call it? Chicken neck in your pull-ups, and like, I mean, I, I see some athletes at some gyms. Looks like they're giving themselves whiplash just to get their chin over the bar. And um, yeah. I mean, is that really worth it? I, I, it's not to me. It's just, it's just exercise. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it. It's great that power athletes takes that stance because. You know, I'm sure you guys still hear some of the negativity, you know, about CrossFit style uh, training, you know, whether you're using it, you're just doing the wad or you're just using it as a conditioning tool. You know, we had one client come in and in there, she's a chiropractor and like some of her other friends were like, you know, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. You're just going to get hurt. And, you know, when you have a, a you know, taking a stance that it's important on posture and positioning, you know, it kind of like starts 
putting aside all that negativity. I hope it does. You know, I mean, you're going to get hurt. You can get hurt doing anything. And I know that that's like an endless debate that we've all probably had at one time. But at least there's, you know, there's a, a group of educated coaches, you know, in a great program that's putting emphasis on posture and position. Yeah. And, you know, um, as as trying to implement posture position into to a general population, a lot of people, they're like, ah, you know, I'm unbreakable. I, I'm going to go as fast as possible. And I guess kind of to like wrap up the subject though, I mean, when, when I talk to athletes who are constantly finding themselves in a, in a shitty position, you know, I also try to reiterate, this is how you get stronger. This is how you get stronger. This is a position that will make you stronger. Now, if you can look at me in the eye and tell me that you don't care about getting stronger, then move however you want to move. Uh, put yourself in whatever position you feel like makes you move quickly. But if you care about getting stronger, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. Um, and so, like, you know, you, that that certainly, like, gets people paying attention and opens their eyes a bit more. And uh, it gives them, I guess, Ben Oliver would call it, like, that superficial reason as to why we do things the way we do them. Yeah. I but miss speak- Ben. What, what, what the hell's Ben doing? <laughs> Ben's a busy man. He's Ben's a busy obviously man. a busy man. Yeah, he's got it. He's his girlfriend and he they're uh they're starting a life together, man. Uh-oh. Yeah. Lockdown. <laughs> no. Uh-oh. He's been he's been traveling a bit. Did and, you say uh, lockdown? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's He's been traveling a bit, and he also he he runs like the operations at Balboa, and he's heavily involved with that. And I have to say, like he does an amazing job. So uh, he keeps that community going, and he's got like he's got the perfect personality for it. So uh, so yeah, he's he's around. Okay. Um, do you guys want to get to this question? Yeah, or I was just gonna say, let's uh, let's get to these questions here. Um, we got a submission from Daniel Bronsink. And he's asking two questions, so I'll kind of just read the first one, we'll answer it, and we'll go into the second one. Um, His first question is, uh, he says, I have two jobs. One is working at Whole Foods, and the other is doing personal training at a global gym. I follow CrossFit football programming for my clients, but there are several, several issues I run into, obviously, working at the global gym. The major issue are that most clients do only half hour sessions and we don't have uh, things like bumper plates. The question I have then is about the dynamic polling. Because of the lack of time and resources, I found it almost impossible to try and teach things like the barbell clean and snatch. For dynamic polling, I substitute kettlebell swings, dumbbell cleans from a hang position, and the sumo deadlift high pole. Does this sound right, or would you substitute something else? Okay, let me tackle this kind of quickly because I know we're, we don't have a ton of time. Um, this guy, we've all been in a situation where, uh, you know, we have lack of equipment. Um, he has a half hour, super uh, not ideal for our training system. Um, you know, he needs to have his client come in early, do all the mobility work on their own. If these are people who care about getting stronger, getting better, they'll show up a half hour or even an hour earlier to get all that stuff out of the way, including their warm up. If he only has a half hour, we'll go like worst case scenario. Um, he needs to make sure that regardless, he's still implementing more pulling than pushing in his uh, programming. So 
whatever that means. If he can't drop uh, the weights in the gym, then he's going to have to find a weight that is uh, manageable for like a touch and go. Um, he doesn't, you know, I don't see him being able to do Olympic lifting in the situation that he's in. That's just the way it is. But uh, I guess the good news is that if he's training someone for a half hour, the chance of this person training for um, athletic performance is not likely. They're probably just trying to get in shape, quote unquote, trying to get fit. And so his inclusion of kettlebell swings, dumbbell cleans, he's on the right page, dumbbell snatches, all of those things are fine. Um, but again, what I would just reinforce is that he's still doing like a three to one pull to push ratio. And that's overall in his training. He should be looking at um, more of that postural chain uh, than the pushing. So does that text, do you have anything else to add to that? Uh, I mean, you can still practice the barbell movements, not necessarily with weight, just so they're proficient in the movement when they do start to clean. So, and you know, muscle cleans too. And then controlling the weight down, it's this crazy thing. I think, I think Callie yeah. invented it, but that actually gets you stronger, that eccentric yep. load. <laughs> I invented that, like the question mark. <laughs> All right. Um, his second his second is like a nutrition one. Uh, I've read about protein powder and how it, it could be bad for you. Obviously, we know that whole food sources are always optimal, but mid and post workout, we're trying to replenish the system rapidly. Any thoughts on protein powder? Is it necessary or does consuming a raw milk uh, God, what is that? Raw milk kefir smoothie with berries and raw honey? Get the done. <laughs> oh, all I can think of is that quote, necessary. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? <laughs> right. And, uh, and what about salad food? Do eggs and sweet potatoes work just as good if eating directly after the workout? And it's thoroughly chewed. I know some people have a hard time eating right after a workout, but I normally feel like I could eat a horse. Also, any thoughts on consuming protein and carbs during the workout? It was mentioned in the podcast with John Meadows, but all I got from it was that if it had to be the right kind of protein and carbs at the right time, but we were never told the kind or time for consuming them. Um, three kinds of protein I've seen that are supposedly better for you are the Garden of Life Goatine, uh, Mercola's Pure Protein Powder, and Mount Capris double bonded protein. Thank you for your time. Between the knowledge and humor on the show, you have definitely proven to be the best fitness, nutrition, athletic performance podcast that I've ever read. Uh, that's probably <laughs> the most important part of his ever heard. Ever heard. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so there's wow. a lot there. There is a lot there. Clearly, he's smart. Yeah. Text, uh, text you go, and then I'll I'll piggyback. Yeah. Uh, how much How much money does he have to spend on stuff? Uh, how much time does he have dedicated to eating uh so if he doesn't have all the time protein powder is the way to go if he has time and his stomach can handle it he needs to eat his food within a half hour within a half hour it needs to yeah it needs to be a lot of carbs now, and protein text, so. text let me ask you a question about that yeah because i mean i totally agree right but in terms of food he asked something about um what do you ask about any like milk and stuff like that are you classifying those kinds of things as part of food groups I mean, like, does he have to go eat a steak or something? Or, I mean, raw milk is pretty high in protein, pretty high in carbs, pretty good uh, muscle powder. Yeah. 
So uh, what I would say is that, um, you know, if he can eat food, if he can, I mean, all of those things are great. They have, they're great protein sources, but if he can, you know, we know that uh, we begin sort of metabolizing things as soon as we start that chewing process in the mouth, right? Um, if we can eat actual food afterwards, I would think that that's the most optimal way to go. And then again, if it's just comes down to, he can't, you know, can't fit that in a half hour, go with the, the milk. It's, you know, it's, or we're going to absorb that pretty quickly. Go ahead. I was just going to add or yogurt. So yeah, or yogurt. same kind of uh, just biomarkers food-wise, fats, carbs, proteins, and you can start digesting it in the mouth, and it's delicious. <laughs> Steve, uh, I remember you posting a lot about uh, sweet potato powder and stuff like that. during. Was that before or after your workouts when you would include the humidity? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Danny. Fuck you. Steve. Um, Steve, Steve, we still quote you at the gym all the time. I'm like, uh, day of our Lord, December 28th. <laughs> I'm like, the, the humidity was 40%. Hey, Steve, listen, you, hey, listen, yeah. that, listen, that's okay. It's, it's okay to make fun of me. Listen, I'm a scientist. That's what I do. Right. And like everything <laughs> affects my training cause I'm fucking old Callie. Do you know what I mean? So when the humidity In goes the year up, 2000. but, uh, <laughs> I, I tried the sweet potato powder. Um, it tastes like, like, uh, shit. And it sounds like it would taste <laughs> yeah, like it shit. It tastes like shit. And, uh, I didn't notice any change in my performance as a consequence. So I ditched it. It wasn't that expensive. Um, I'll tell you, I've been, I've been using some, some other carb products intra workout, um, and then post workout as well. But I'm, I'm all about foods these days because I don't know, just don't feel like wasting my money on protein powder. Um, yeah. and I certainly don't feel like wasting my money on all those crazy ones that he mentioned because I'm sure, yeah. I mean like, you know, uh, we got some guys at the gym that use that Advocare stuff and it's great stuff, but it's like $79 for 30 servings. I was like, I get like four steaks for that. I think, right. Probably, probably eight steaks. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, Ben is, uh, Ben who we work with, I mean, he's, he's great. He can eat d directly after a training session. I can't. So I'm a protein powder type of person. Um, and again, like tech said, it just comes down to also like what you can afford. If you, if you care about your, the quality of protein, you're going to be spending a pretty penny on like well food co stuff, you know? Um, but it's going to be effective if you, if you can't consume steak right after. So, yeah. uh, ho hopefully that helps us dude. Yep. Test retest. See what he can do. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. So this is so yeah. So this is why I did the humidity thing, right? Test retest. <laughs> Jerks. Oh god. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. Well, guys, that puts us at about an hour. Mother of God. <laughs> well, it felt like an hour and three minutes to me. <laughs> so. Um, yep. Guess that's yeah. it. Any closing thoughts? Who's going to Hawaii next week? Is that next week? I am. I'm going to Hawaii. Uh, I got stuck with Oklahoma. Whatever. I'm jealous. <laughs> I wanted to go see Chad Hamilton. Uh, you guys are coming out to visit me uh, in March in Georgia. Georgia. Who's coming? Let me guess. Let me guess. You're busy that day. No, no. I'll be there. I'll be there, I think. I've got, I've got, like, got, I've got the place lined up where you go get some grass-fed ribeye. I just had one last night. 16 ounce. Mm, so good. So Steve, you got to take us to that one bar in Buford. It's a great time. That one bar in Come Buford. Come on now. Come on now. The, the one and only bar. Tex, you probably don't yeah. even drink. And they told me that you had to be in bed by nine anyway. 
That's why I drink so much. <laughs> <laughs> we call that passing out in the biz. We don't, we, don't, we don't drink in my neck of the woods because it impairs performance. Oh, please. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, so next, next weekend is Oklahoma uh, at Coda CrossFit, and then we have uh, CrossFit Oahu, of course, in Hawaii, and uh, John and I are going to tackle that. So um, so lot, lot to look forward to over the next week, and I think that is it before Christmas, right, Tex? Yeah, and then um, Ireland in January. Uh, just want to remind everyone that we are finalizing all of the dates for the CrossFit football seminars for the next year. So you'll be able to see the locations. Um, we won't be adding into it once it's all finalized. And I think if you go to the website now, anything that's added before January 1st, it's pretty much set in stone. So you have one opportunity to really sign up for these and, uh, and, and get yourself enrolled. So um, like I said, we're not adding any additional seminars. What you see is what you get. So do it. Do it now. What about uh, Power Athlete Team Series? When are the uh, announcements for that going to start popping up? Uh, you'll start to see that by the first of the year. So we're okay. finalizing the dates and everything. And um, we have such an amazing, amazing plan for this year. I could not be more excited. Uh, you know, we're going to build on and learn from what we've done over the past couple of years. And uh, I think the surveys that we sent out were really helpful in knowing what, what people want to see, uh, how the uh, team series is going to evolve. And so it's pretty exciting. And I'm working with Luke Espy on the East Coast with that. And he's pretty well known for uh, putting on some ridiculous competition. So really, really excited. We'll see that in January. Awesome. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so legit. Yeah, big year for us. Big year, big year, big money. All right, guys, uh, let's close it up. I'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Sounds good. Stay later. Thank you, Will. I don't know if you're still on. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks a lot, Callie. Thanks a yeah, lot, Chris. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, guys, for uh, for giving me the opportunity to come on and, and talk about Wade's Army. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for everything, Will. Yep. All right, bye, bye, guys. Bye. See you, Kai. See you, guys. All right, good.